I can tell you when I first got in church, when I first got in truth, this part of the service was the most exciting part of the service for me. And I would have my notebook out and my pen, and I would be, sometimes you didn't think I was paying attention if you were looking at me, if you were kind of observing me in the service, but I was writing notes as fast as I could because I wanted to know. I wanted to know about the things of God and everything that would come. Amen. It would just be not only the notes that from the, what the man of God was saying, but then the thoughts would come into my mind and I'd be writing those things down. Amen. And, and I still do that to this day. Now I do it on my iPad. And if you look at me in service sometimes when I'm not up here, you, you might think I'm looking down and playing on my phone or something, but I'm not. I'm sitting back there taking notes and then I'm trying to take notes on what the man of God's saying. And then all these other thoughts are coming into my mind and I'm trying to record them. Because I want to think about that later. I want to look that up later. I want to study that later. And I know good and well if I don't write it down, I'll forget it. Then later on, because I've done that, and then later on I'm like, what was I thinking in that, sir? Man, I wish I'd have wrote that down. So, amen. I, my, I got more stuff on my, my iPad that's, that's pages and pages of notes that I've taken than pictures or anything else, I think. Amen. So I encourage you, amen, to 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 take notes, amen, and to... When something comes into your, you know, because everybody, every one of us is in a different place right now in our walk with God. Every one of us is thinking about different things. We're in a different walk place in our life. Amen. Different circumstances and things going on in our life. And so every everything that's said affects everybody a little different. Amen. So you might be writing a note, and the other guy over here might not might just be sitting there, but then something else comes to him, and he might write a note, and you might just be sitting there, because the, the Lord just does it that way. Amen. He knows where we are. He comes to us where we are and ministers to us in that place and tries to bring us up a little higher. Amen. How many wants to go up a little higher today? Amen. I don't want to be satisfied with where I'm at. Amen. Stuck in the rut, right? Stuck in the mud. Amen. Get me out of the mud today, God. Amen. Get me to a place where I need to be. Amen. I'm, I've never stopped growing and never stopped learning in 27 or 8 plus years of serving God. Amen. And I don't ever want to stop learning. I don't want to ever stop growing. Amen. In the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Let's turn in our Bibles to the book of Matthew, chapter 26, this morning. Got a couple of scriptures to read. We're going to kind of jump around a little bit. Matthew, chapter 26. We're going to start in verse 31. I appreciate my pastor Amen. I don't appreciate him being gone, but I understand why. Amen. He, if you haven't heard or haven't seen the video, uh, he is in a church in Richlands, North Carolina, the town where he grew up, and, and all his childhood was spent there. And there's a man that started a church there three years ago, started out in a McDonald's dining room with a couple of people, and it got up to 39 people in a McDonald's dining room teaching Bible studies. And so he said, hmm, I think maybe I need to start a church. And so he started in a little building where there used to be, as Brother, Brother Parker tells, used to be a, like a consignment store where him and his family would go in there and buy clothes. And so they were in that storefront having church. And so one thing led to another, and they had a church in a day program. They built a church literally in, in about a day and a half, and up and ready to go, carpet on the floors, chairs sitting there, and uh, if you don't have a video, ask somebody to show it to you after church, not right now. 
Amen. But it's exciting. Amen. I've, we've been getting updates and they, yesterday morning at seven o'clock, they threw the walls up and then they threw the roof on and then they just started going from there, gangbusters and putting the wiring and all the heat and air and everything. It's all done, ready to go this morning, ready to have church. Amen. And so some people are excited. They were on the news. Amen. The news cameras came out and so the, the community knows. Amen. So hallelujah. Amen. Amen. And my prayer, as soon as I saw that, my prayer was, God, fill that building up so fast that they outgrow it by the end, by the end of next year. Amen. Where, where that pastor's looking around going, we gotta add on. Amen. Amen. God's gonna do that in these last days. Hallelujah. Matthew 26, 31 says, Then saith Jesus unto them, All ye shall be offended because of me this night. For it is written, I will smite the shepherd and the sheep of the flock shall be scattered abroad. But after I am risen again, I will go before you unto Galilee. He told him he was coming back. He said, I'm going to go before you into Galilee. Peter answered and said unto him, Thou, Though all men shall be offended because of thee, yet will I never be offended. Jesus said unto him, Verily I say unto thee, that this night before the cock crow, thou shalt deny me thrice. Three times. Peter said unto him, Though I shall not, though I should die with thee, yet will I not deny thee. Likewise also all of the, said all the disciples. They were all in agreement with Peter. No, no, we'll never leave you, Lord. And then we're going to skip down to verse 58. Verse 58 says, But Peter followed him afar off unto the high priest's palace and went in and sat in with the servants to see the end. So he's at least still hanging out. He's still hanging in there. He's still hanging with him, but he's letting him go in there and go through all this that he's getting ready to go through. And then we're going to skip down to verse 69. It says, Now Peter sat without in the palace, and a damsel came unto him, saying, Thou, wast, thou also was with Jesus of Galilee. But he denied before them all, saying, I know not what thou sayest. And when he was gone into the porch, another maid saw him and said unto them, that were there, this fellow was also with Jesus of Nazareth. And, he, and again he denied with an oath, I do not know the man. And after a while he came unto him, they, after a while came unto him they that stood by and said to Peter, Surely thou also thou art one of them, for thy speech betrayeth thee. Then began he to curse and to swear, saying, I know not the man. And immediately the cock crew. And Peter remembered the words of Jesus, which, which said unto him, Before the cock crow, thou shalt deny me thrice. And he went out and wept bitterly. Thank you, Father, for this opportunity to minister in this place today. Let every heart, every soul, and every mind receive your word today. In Jesus' name we pray. And everybody said, Amen. 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 And anybody ever, you can be seated. Has anybody ever heard of the term being on the fence? Usually it has reference to being indecisive. He's on the fence about something. Or she's on the fence about something. They're, they haven't decided yet which way they're going to go. And being on the fence can be kind of a dangerous place to be. And so that's what we're going to talk about today. And the title that I put on this message is Get Off the Fence. We got to get off the fence, Amen. And you might say, "Well, well, no, I'm in church and I'm 
I'm serving the Lord, and, and I believe I'm off the fence. Well, you might be, and you might not be. You could be on the fence and not know it. Amen? And so in, in Matthew 27, verse 3 through 5, it says, Then Judas, which had betrayed him, when he saw that he was condemned, repented himself, and brought again the thirty pieces of silver to the chief priests and the elders, saying, I have sinned in that I have betrayed the, in, the innocent blood. And they said, What is that to us? See doubt of that. What they were saying was, That's not our problem. <laughs> you took the money. You did, you did what we needed you to do. We don't need you anymore, Judas. We, we, we used you for what we needed to use you for to get him. So you, we don't, what, what is that to us? And he cast down the pieces of silver in the temple and departed and went and hanged himself. Now, what's the difference between him and Peter? And the Bible, Jesus told him that the, all the sheep would be scattered. And, and I believe that it, it says so here that they were all, when, when, when all was said and done, where were all the disciples? They were gone. And, we, and we, we, we read about Peter, how that he went and wept bitterly. Now, what is that indicative of? What does that show you that is going on in Peter's life? He's repenting. Amen. When you know you've done something really bad, you know, and David talked about, you know, it's not about who you, the person you've offended. It's about the fact that you've offended God with your actions. Amen. David said, my sin is ever before me. In thee and thee alone, God, have I sinned and done this evil in thy sight. And so that's where Peter was. He was... Down on his face, weeping, the Bible says, he went and wept bitterly. He didn't just weep a little bit. If you've ever wept bitterly, anybody ever done that, you're sobbing. I mean, it's uncontrollable. He was just like, oh, my gosh, I can't believe he told me I was going to deny him three times. And I, I told him I would never deny him. And what did I do? I denied him three times. And he didn't just deny him a little bit. At one point, it says he cursed and swore. Amen. So not only did he deny him, but he did it pretty vehemently. And so Peter was on the fence at that point. Here he had been following. All these 12 had been following Jesus for three and a half years. And they had been learning from him. And he had been teaching them through all these object lessons. And picking up the little kids and saying, Suffer the little children to come unto me and forbid them not. And, and taking the sinners and bringing them and going into their home and eating with them. And, and putting up with all the, the, the things that were being said to them by the religious people. You know, why, do your, why don't your, your disciples fast? Why are they eating corn on Sabbath? All these things, amen. And Jesus was teaching by example. Teaching them, teaching them, teaching them. And they were his followers. They, they left their nets. They went, they, they walked away from their livelihood. How many of us have walked away from our livelihood to serve the Lord? Completely walked away from any faith or trust or anything in, in what man has to offer and say, God, I'm gonna, I'm gonna live for you and I'm gonna let you make, give me my paycheck. Amen. Not, that doesn't happen very often today. But these men walked away from their livelihood. They'd been doing this all of their life. This fishing, they, they, that's how they made their money. And all he simply said was, follow me. And so these men had dedicated themselves to following and learning from the Lord. He was preparing them 
to do greater things. He told them, greater things than these shall ye do once I go to my Father. And those, so, all, so these twelve men that were so devoutly following him, when, when push came to shove and it was time for the crucifixion, what happened to every one of them? They walked away. And he, he said, he told them, the shepherd's going to be smote and the sheep are going to be scattered. And so every one of those guys, if you want to picture this in your mind, picture of a fence up there. I was going to go to Home Depot or someplace and get a, a piece of fence and put it up here, but I couldn't find one small enough. Amen. So all, in my mind, all these guys went back and sat on the fence because they, they got to the place where they said, wait a minute. Now, he's been talking about this. He's been, he's been trying to tell them all along about this crucifixion, and they weren't getting it. So now it's becoming reality, and now they're, they're going, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. I don't know. I mean, they didn't stick with him when, they were, when he was being taken to Pilate's Hall. They, they all scattered. They, and it, doesn't, it only talks about Peter and Judas, but I'm sure that the rest of them went and found a place and said, man, I don't know. Anybody ever been there? I, you know, I don't... Man, this is a lot to demand. This is, there's a lot of people out there today that have come into churches just like this, and I have family members like this that came into this, and they heard this message, and in some cases they went to the waters of baptism in Jesus' name, and they were infilled with the Holy Ghost, and to this day they're not living for God. Because it, it, when it all came down to it, when they began to realize the reality of what had just happened in their life, begin to set in and kind of soak in, they, they begin to, to question within themselves, am I willing to, you know, Jesus, asked, Jesus told them, are you willing to drink this cup that I'm going to drink of? And so these people have had this place in their life where they came to and said, you know, I don't know if, if I can commit to this, right? Because it's a commitment. When I got in church, it was hard. I had to walk away from friendships that I had. People that I ran with and people that I hung with. And, and I knew that. I knew it was like, I have to walk away from certain things if I'm going to make a decision to do this. And so I was at that same place. I was on that fence. Every new convert, every person that comes to God experiences that fence experience for the very first time. Amen. And when and we experience it throughout our life in, in, that, in life situations, decisions that we have to make, and we're not sure which way to go. And we, we kind of climb on the fence and we don't want to jump off on the left side and we don't want to jump off on the right side. We don't want to make a decision. And so these disciples, they were on the fence. And so Jesus, he told them, and so they had to make a choice. They had to make a decision. They had a lot going on in their minds, all of this training and all these things and all the things that they witnessed and the the feeding of the 5,000 and all these things that happened while they walked with Jesus and traveled around with him. All these things were going through their minds, and as they were sitting on the fence going, what am I going to do? Am I going to go back to my fishing? Am I going to go back to being a tax collector? Am I going to go back to, to doing whatever it is I was doing before? Or am I, reali- am I going to realize that this is a, some serious situation here and that I could be, it would be like somebody back in the day when IBM first came in to being a friend of mine back home, his dad was offered to buy stock in IBM for like three cents a share. 
this probably would have been back in the early 70s. I was in grade school then. And this guy was telling me, his dad said, IBM, what's that? Never heard of him. No, thank you. And he said 10 years later, his dad was kicking himself for not buying that stock at three cents a share. He'd be a, probably a billionaire about now. Amen. He passed up an opportunity because he said, I don't think so. Couldn't see. Didn't have a vision for where that could go. And he didn't see the future being what it is that we have today. Computers we can walk around with in our, you know, it's, this is not a phone. It's a computer that acts like a phone. <laughs> it's got like 32 gig of memory on it. I mean, it's who would have thought? Amen. And, and so those disciples were in that same place. They had no idea what was coming. So they had to make a decision. And Jesus put them on the fence. He knew that they, he had trained, he had put all that time and effort, he was God. So he had put all this into those men, hoping and believing that they would make the right decision. Doesn't he do that with us? Amen. How many people do you know, you don't have to raise your hand, that have come to God, come to an altar, received the Holy Ghost, been baptized in Jesus' name, and walked away from God. And reneged on their, because they made a promise when they stood there, God, I'll serve you. God, I'll do whatever you ask me to do. If you'll fill me with the Holy Ghost, I'll do whatever you ask me to do. And they reneged on that promise. There's lots of people like that out there. They got up on the fence and they made a decision. They jumped off on the other side. Amen? Is this okay today? Amen. You know, Judas and Peter were on the same fence. And they had the opportunity to make the same decision. Judas made a decision. What happened to Judas? He hung himself. Amen. And so that was the end of Judas. Amen. He had, he made his decision. He pays the price for making his decision. He got off the fence. He just got off on the wrong side of the fence. On the other hand, Peter and obviously the other ten made a decision to get back off that fence and say, you know what? We're going to serve. We're going to serve him. We don't understand it all. How many understands everything that's happening in your life today? Everybody, how many understands everything, why you are where you are right now in God? I don't see any hands going up. How many thinks that if you, if it was up to you, you'd come up with a better idea? All the hands should come up if we're all being honest. Amen. But God, if I was me, if I was God, I'd do it this way. Nobody's ever thought that. Be honest. Come on. But God, you don't understand this and this and this. Like, like he doesn't know what's going on in your life. Right? Oh, let me explain it to you like this, God. In case you missed it, this little circumstance is going on here. And you telling me to do this is not going to be kosher with that. He's going, I could have had a V8. No, God doesn't do that. So Judas and Peter were on the same fence. They just made a different decision. Amen? In Mark 16 and 14, let's turn there. This is not even going according to my notes, hardly. Which is fine with me. Mark 16 and 14 says, Afterward, he appeared unto the eleven. There's the eleven. They all made their decision. They got off the fence. But where are they? He appeared unto the eleven as they sat at me, 
Where were they sitting at meat? In a room. Maybe, maybe they went to like an upper room somewhere. They were, they were kind of hiding. Because all these people had seen Jesus after his resurrection. And they'd all come and told the disciples, hey, we've seen Jesus. They didn't believe him. They didn't believe it. And it says here, he upbraided them with their unbelief and hardness of heart. That word upbraided means to defame, to disparage, to reproach, to rail at, to revile, to assail with abusive words. Now, if I'm reading that right, that means that Jesus was giving them what for, and he, was giving, he wasn't being nice about it either. Kind of like that same incident where he took and braided a whip. You know, the Lord of glory, the God of creation, was up there whipping at people that, that he created. And he wasn't being nice about that either. So he was a little upset, let's put it that way, with his disciples. Here they were hiding out in a room having dinner. And the, and the Bible says that he appeared unto them and he upbraided them for their hardness of heart and unbelief. They didn't believe that he was real. They really didn't believe that he was risen from the dead until he walked in through the wall and in the room and was standing in front of them. I guarantee you they believed then. And so their hardness of heart, their unwillingness to trust God. Amen. That's one of the hardest things to do is put your total faith and trust in what God is telling you to do. Amen. I don't know why, but most of you all know that I've been doing the insurance business for about the last year and a half. Well, a few weeks ago, I woke up one morning and and the Lord started dealing with me about resigning. And I just said, whatever. What did I eat last night? You know, it's like, now, that's just, that's silly, because my wife and I had just had a conversation about, even though things were tough, even though this seemed a, like a hard thing, I was determined that I was going to see this through. I was going to see it through. So the idea of resigning was totally not in keeping with where my mind was at all. So I just said, no, nah, that's not God. Went on about my business, went on my appointments, doing, making my phone calls, doing all the stuff I needed to do, just kind of driving on next morning. Because I always would get up with my wife. She gets, gets up and goes to work as a school teacher. So I, I always get up with her. And I, I wanted to keep that, that habits because I want to make sure I have time in the morning with the Lord. And so I get up next morning, same thing again. Same thing again. I'm going, come on. This is, no, no. I just, I deny that. I'm going on. I just, third morning, same thing again. I'm going, okay. Maybe this isn't me. Maybe this isn't the devil. Because if you, to me, and I've heard, I've heard some men say this. If you hear something you think is from God and you kind of push it off and it comes back the third time, you better start paying attention to it. So I thought, okay, okay, okay. And I was, you know, I was sitting there arguing with God. Are you sure about this? 
Because if I do this, and I went through this whole grocery list of stuff, this is going to happen, that's going to happen, it's just going to be my wife's going to, da, 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 da. and I'm just going through this laundry list with God, and he just said, he just, like he's impressing me, that same word, resign. Okay, fine. I, I mean, I fought it right up to the moment I sent the email to the man to tell him I was resigning. I mean, I, I wrestled with, I mean, I'm serious. I wrestled with this. It was just, I'm not just, I mean, I'm not even giving you the half of it. I wrestled with it because I was like, man, but this, you, didn't you send me to this? But I did it. And do you know something? The moment I sent that, it was like this weight just went, whew, just a piece. And that's what I was hoping that would happen. <laughs> Not regret. And I don't understand it. I don't like it. But I have no regrets for doing that because God told me to do that. Why did he tell me? He hasn't told me that part yet. But he's working on that. He's already got all that worked out. And so not only do I have a peace with it, I asked, I asked God to make sure she had a peace with it. And she does. Do I like it? Do I understand it? No. Would you if you were in my shoes? No. Amen. Nobody likes the unknown, do they? And that's what the disciples were facing on that fence, the unknown. And so Jesus came into them and told them, he upbraided them. He gave them uh, a really hard speech. Anybody ever been talked to like that by your boss or your pastor where they kind of sit you down and, and say some hard things to you that you don't want to hear? And they know you don't want to hear it, but they know you need to hear it. And they say it anyway, and you sit there and squirm, and you're like, man, we were just talking about that this morning. Doing what, what you're asked to do even when you don't want to do it. Amen? These disciples were in that place. And Jesus, you know what the very next scripture says? In verse 15 it says, And he said unto them, after he upbraided them, after he gave them what for, and got on them their case about their unbelief, and got on their case about their hardness of their heart, he said, but I'm not done with you. I'm not going to kick you out of the club. He said... And he said unto them, Go ye into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. You can still do it. I know you guys are human. I created you, but you can still do it. Just get past some of this unbelief. And of, Here, I'm here, okay? Now do you believe it? And that's how I'm going to be with my situation. When God finally brings the rest of the... Like that song, When God Unfolds the Rose. If you never heard that, look it up on the web. It's a beautiful song. When God Unfolds the Rose. He always does it right. So I have to be patient with God, just like they did. And I have to let God unfold the rose. And he's doing a great job. If you ever tried to unfold a rose with your own hands, it'd be ugly, wouldn't it? Anybody ever seen a beautiful rose? Anybody ever received roses? I haven't. I'm just sticking my hand up so you will. I've given lots. Amen? Amen. So God knows what he's doing, doesn't he? And every one of us... At some point in our life, we're going to end up on a fence. You might even be on the fence right now about some things. Amen. Being on the fence is, is sitting on a very thin line. Amen. If you could imagine going out here at this wooden fence that looks like that one and sitting on that fence, it'd get a little uncomfortable after a couple minutes, wouldn't it? 
And so being on the fence is not a good place. It's okay to be there for a minute or two, but we can't stay on the fence. We've got to get off the fence. We serve an omnipresent God. He's omnipotent. He's he's all-powerful. He's all-knowing. He knows the end from the beginning. He created every part of your body. If he can take an individual that's got a bad liver or a bad kidney and go and reach into that person's body and not only heal them but put a brand new part in their body, he's an omnipresent. He can do anything. Amen. The only part about it is we got to be submitted to him. What does the Bible say? Submit yourself therefore unto God. And then after that it says resist the devil and he'll flee from you. Not the other way around. You can't resist the devil if you don't submit yourself first unto God. And that's one of the hardest things for people to do. And that's what the disciples were having a problem with is submitting their will. And it's their will that God put in them. He gave us this will. (laughs) Sometimes it's like, why did you give me a will? Why didn't you just make me a robot and just tell me what to do and I'll do it? Because he wants us to do it out of choice. Amen. I serve the Lord not because some man told me to do it. I serve the Lord because I love him. Because I love what he did in my life. And there's nothing else out there that's better that I've found than this right here. And I don't want anything else. And I do it out of a love relationship. Amen. But that doesn't stop me from getting to places in my life where I get up on the fence. Amen? And you know, like in Peter's situation, here he thought after this whole thing where he was upbraided and he got to preach on the day of Pentecost, how awesome was that? And the souls were added to the kingdom 3,000 that day and Peter got to preach. And forever to this day, they've talked about Peter preached the first message on the day of Pentecost. So he gets that recognition. But he did it humbly. But you would think after that, Peter would be like, I'm, I'm sailing now, buddy. I got it going on, man. No more problems. They're all behind me. Until he gets up on that roof at Simon the Tanner's house. And he's up there. And the Bible says he was in a trance. So I would think my my estimation of what took place there is that Peter was up on that roof having a prayer meeting. He might have been there an hour. He might have been there two hours. He might have been there half a day. But he was up there for a long time. I think. I want to believe that. And so he was in this trance, and Peter had been ministering, and he had been, you know, God, the Lord had told them to to work on the house of Israel. The lost sheep of the house of Israel, Jesus told them a couple places. But he was starting to move over towards reaching to the Gentiles. Thank God. Everybody in this room say, thank God. Hallelujah. I've been grafted in. How about you? Amen. Spiritual Jews right here. Amen. And so he goes and he, Peter just, you know, doing like any of us that have our prayer time. He was having his prayer time. He was spending some time with the Lord. He didn't have a clock. He didn't have a calendar on the wall and say, oh, well, my hour's up. He just stayed there until, until. And God came and talked to him, gave him a vision, showed him a sheet with all these Animals that were unclean on the sheet. And, and three times he brought that down and said, rise, kill and eat. And Peter said, as being the good Jew that he was, said, no, no, Lord, I'll never touch anything unclean. 
God was trying to get, and did you notice he did it three times? Three times. <laughs> Third time, Peter said, oh, 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 I get it. I get it. What did God tell him? Don't you call unclean what I've called clean. What happened the minute he come out of that trance? Some Gentiles were at the door. God told him, oh, those are the guys I sent to you. Go down, let them in your house. So not even before, before he even went and preached to a Gentile, he let him in his house. All of his neighbors were going, what is he doing? He's a bad Jew. He's letting Gentiles in his house. But what happened out of that situation? They had a revival at Cornelius' house. Because he had his whole household, his aunts, his uncles, his cousins, and everybody else. And, and they didn't have just a, a house like we have. They had like a villa with an open courtyard. And there was plenty of room in there for lots of people. So Peter got to preach again to the Gentiles. And so God had to get Peter off the fence about Gentiles and Jews. and all. He had to kind of get, all, get him off the fence about religious tradition. Because he was breaking through that glass ceiling, you might say. He was breaking through that and using Peter to do it and saying, you're, you're still not all the way off the fence, Peter. Or you might have climbed back up there. Amen. We've got to stay off the fence. And if, if the Lord allows us to get in a situation where we're in, in a place of decision, you know, multitudes, multitudes, the Bible says, in the valley of decision, you know, you might be in a valley of decision today. You might be on the fence today about something in your life. Amen. But God is, God is expecting you to make a decision. Amen. Because he's got some things for us to do as his people. And he can't use us if we're up sitting on the fence. Amen. He cannot use us if we're up sitting on the fence. You've got to get off the fence. What's Romans 8.28 say? And we know, and we know that all things work together for good. Who's good? God's good. And it's probably for our good, too. We just don't feel like it's for our good right at that moment. But it's mostly for God's good. To them that love God, that love there, I believe that's the word agape, which is like unconditional, like the unconditional love of God that He loves us regardless of where we are. So that's the kind of love it's talking about. That to them that love, that agape love God with, to them who are the called according to their purpose. Oh no, His purpose? Really? So it's not about us. It's not about what we want. It's not about where we want to go. Amen? Amen? There's a man that's, that's at one time was um, he was over the home missions for for a whole region of this country, like a whole like a section of the country, and so after he got this position, he went driving up through this section of country, and he was just praying. Him and his wife just praying, talking to God, and he was going, "Man, God, I'm driving through one little town after another, and there's no churches here. What is wrong?" Almost like he was kind of saying, what's wrong with you, God? Don't you care about these people? He was, I mean, he was being serious. And God spoke to him and said, there's many men that I've called to these cities that have not desired to come. So when I heard that, I went, wow. Hope that one wasn't, 
Hope one of them wasn't me. You know, but think about that. God, there are some men out there that were on the fence that chose to disobey God because it was meant that they had to go somewhere that was uncomfortable, that they didn't want to go to. This is what not what I had in mind when I started to serve God. So how many people's souls are still lost because somebody didn't listen to the voice of God and obey God because they, they chose to stay on the fence? Amen? I thank God today that those 11 disciples didn't stay on the fence. Because we wouldn't be here. Amen? Because that was the first century church that they started on the day of Pentecost. Right? Anybody ever played dominoes? Everybody played with dominoes where you line them all up? There's people out there that they'll take a whole mall floor and line up dominoes to make some kind of artwork or something that's beautiful. And you just hit the first one. And you you just stand back after that because they all start knocking each other down, wanted it, and they just keep following that little track. And that's what happened on the day of Pentecost. That's why we're here. The domino effect, it's still happening, and it's not done. This has already been talked about this morning. You know, there's a a whole city of 52,000 people out there that if we don't reach them, who's going to? Some other religious organization, some other religious group. Amen. Not that, not that I'm disparaging any group. Amen. But if you believe, if we believe that what we have is the, the gospel truth, then we need to be out there. Amen. What did those people do on the day of Pentecost? After the 3,000 were added, they, the Bible didn't say that they all stopped and went to Bible college. They went from house to house. They didn't wait to go through a new believers class. They didn't wait to go through a new converts class. They didn't wait for 12 weeks of discipleship. Not that those things are bad. But they went immediately while the zeal was still there, while it was still exciting. And they started telling their neighbors, telling their friends, and telling people at the, at the market, and telling everybody they could tell. And they could, could they understand it all? No. But those people, those 3,000 people were excited about something happened in their life that caused them to get off the fence. And so they, they didn't jump back on the fence and say, I don't know. I don't know. I heard myself speak in tongues, but I don't know if that's real or not. No, they went out immediately and they started telling everybody they could tell. And the Lord added to the church daily, the Bible says, such as should be saved. And later on in the book of Acts, it talks about multiplying. The church not only was added to, but it multiplied. Just like I was talking about that church in North Carolina. I don't know how many he's got. He had 39 when he started, when he moved out of McDonald's and went to the little storefront. So I don't know how many he's got now, but if he keeps doing whatever it is he's doing, they will outgrow that building. And that's going to be a good problem. Amen. And how, how does that happen? He had to get out of his comfort zone. <laughs> that pastor... Had to get how easy it is it to just walk into McDonald's in a town that no there's no church there, and you just start talking to people about the Lord, total strangers. I mean, anybody would anybody besides me start feeling the spirit of fear? I don't know, God, that one. I don't know, maybe that one. No, maybe that one. And he's trying to tell you go talk to that one. Amen. Does God know what he's doing? Amen. Does God want us off the fence today? Amen. Is anybody? You don't have to raise your hand. Does anybody feel like they're on the fence about something? Amen. Amen. Every one of us at some point in our life will get to that place. 
Because God, if He's good to us, if He's using us for the thing that He's intended to use us for, He's not going to leave us where we are. Amen. I want the challenges in my life because I want to make sure that I'm purified. That every, you know, the Bible talks about us being as gold tried in the fire. And why do they try gold? Why do they put gold and silver and things like that in the fire? They heat it up and they, they rake off all the impurities and then they cool it off. And then they heat it up again and find some more impurities. And I want God to get all those impurities out of my life. Get me off the fence, God. Let's stand in this place today. Father, we love you today, Lord Jesus. I thank you for every soul in this place, Lord Jesus. You can go ahead and start playing that. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Jesus, my Jesus.